This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Welcome back to our show. Today we are here with Lauren and she has a story to tell us about Jason. So welcome to the show. Thank you. We're excited to have you today and we're excited to hear the story. So I think I'm just going to kick it over to you. Well, I grew up in the Midwest uh, near the Great Lakes area and I was the oldest of three. I had a stay-at-home mom. And I have a dad who was involved in law enforcement, and he retired from that. They're still together, still married. You know, everything's great there. My mom was always really, really hard to please growing up. I always felt like I didn't quite measure up. Yeah. And I mean, that's like a whole other podcast. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I was more of an introvert and she was more of an extrovert and couldn't understand why I wasn't the same. Mm, Yeah. So tough. Right. And I mean, my personality was just not like hers. So in that respect, we just didn't get along very well growing up. I was never one of those kids that was in trouble. I did well in school. I had friends. She didn't really seem to like most of my friends, ironically. And she just had to have complete control over everything. And I think that in my relationships, that's the exact same thing I sought out. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't realize that that was not normal. I don't think a lot of parents take time to stop and really think about the impact that they're going to have on their children's later relationships. I really don't think enough people stop and think about that. Oh, I don't either. My sister's in therapy right now. And I've had one session, which turned into a sob fest. So I'm not really excited about revisiting that (laughs) whole thing. (laughs) I can tell you... um, From my personal experience, my first few therapy sessions, I mean, I walked in the door and started crying. (laughs) I'm such like a stuffer, you know, I just like stuff things down. And then someone is actually going to listen to me talk about it. And I just couldn't get a grip enough to even like talk, but I will tell you it gets easier. Yeah. And I think to this day, I still have trouble discussing it because if I don't bring it up, it's like it never happened. Right. And I tend to do the same thing. And then I, I'm very, very hard on myself as a result of how I grew up Mm -hmm. and I keep things down and, you know, stress manifests the way that it does. And it's, it's just been very difficult to deal with. Um, so I try not to. Right. Yeah. And we're, we're better now that we live really far apart. <laughs> um, Distance helps. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Definitely does. And so, yeah, that at least is, is pretty good. But my mom actually had a very awful childhood. She lost her dad at 10. Ooh. And her mom... We don't know what mental disorder she had, 
but there was definitely something. And she blamed my mom for having to get married because she was pregnant with her when they got married. And, you know, this was in the 1940s. Right. That was not heard of. So she blamed her for having to slow down, you know, all of that. So she lived with that for all of her life with her mom. So sad. And I don't believe she ever dealt with it. And I think that there are some, well, in fact, I know there are some mental disorders like bipolar disorder that happens when you have a very traumatic childhood, Yes, if if I'm not mistaken. So we feel, or at least I feel that maybe that's part of my mom's issue. Sure. But of course, I'm not a psychologist. I'm, you know, not a hundred percent on that. So that's just my thought process on it. So as a result, I have picked controlling people to be in a relationship with most of my life. Mm -hmm. I was basically not with anybody all throughout high school. Like I said, I was shy, introverted. I was focused on school and I pursued a degree in healthcare. And that's what I do to this day. I did really well, did really well in school. And I was married once um, back in 2005 and it ended four years later. And he was controlling Older than myself, arrogant, financially destructive. It took a huge toll on me, but not not in the way that I missed losing the relationship. I missed who I was before him. Sure. That's a really tough one. Yeah. Because you're never going to be that person again. I mean, you can get back to being happy or, or being a lot of the things you were, but trauma changes us in ways that we don't go back from, which is sad. Right. And I didn't have any desire to marry for the longest time after that. In fact, I stayed away from relationships as much as possible. Yeah. But then I met Jason in, let's see, it was around three years later, something like that. And I met him off of a dating app, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of those Craigslist ads where they used to have personals? Yes. Yeah. Okay. One of my Saturday morning routines used to be to read through those while I had my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) You get it. Yes. What I used to do. And now I never really used to respond to any because a lot of them were very strange or very out there. Right. But it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Very. Yes. <laughs> when they included pictures. And I have stories for days about Craigslist. But <laughs> I actually got in trouble with Jason involving just reading Craigslist ads. Right. So that comes in later, which is really interesting. But I met him on the dating app. He had two dogs and really nice house, decent job. And he was the Prince Charming. Right. He was thoughtful. He was caring. The first night I met him, I had a flat tire. He fixed that for me. Oh, wow. He made me dinner the next night. And I know I had just met him and everything. Maybe not the brightest, you know, thing I could have ever done. But I didn't feel like I didn't know him or that I wasn't being safe. Sure. But this relationship actually ended up moving in a very, very quick direction, which I guess is one of the things that sometimes happens with those kinds of relationships. Yeah, they want to lock it down. 
Yep. The love bombing, the promises, just lots of things that never really came true. But in the honeymoon phase, everything was great. I could not believe he was still single. But then I started to slowly figure out why. What was the first indication to you that maybe he wasn't all you thought he was? Probably the first was his infatuation with the guy that I was seeing before him. Mm -hmm. He was a local MMA fighter and... You know, he watched UFC fights and he kind of thought he was all big and bad and kind of wanted to do it himself. Just I think he reached the age where it just wasn't going to happen for him. Okay. And I used to tend to date younger men and Jason was actually about four years younger than myself. So being that my ex-husband was a lot older, like I flipped and went younger after that. Mm-hmm. I did that exact same thing with my first and second marriage. <laughs> I thought, well, I mean, maybe I'll have better luck this way. I mean, they have to be mature, first of all. But, you know, and the guy that I was seeing, he had a very common name. His name was Eric, but he spelled it different. It was like E-R-I-C-K. And this will come in the story later. But sure. You know, he even had YouTube videos when he used to fight and he would say, I wouldn't bring him up, but he would bring him up and then get mad because we talked about him. It was really messed mm-hmm. up, but he had an ex- Some serious insecurity. Yes. He had an ex-girlfriend that he was with for about four or five years. I think they never got married. He told me they never got engaged, but... I think he had still bought her a ring and they lived together for a long time. And he told me that she cheated on him. When I asked about other people in his life, they cheated on him too. And I thought, what are the odds that every single girl, woman in your life has cheated on you? Mm -hmm. I just thought that was really strange. My, My marriage didn't end because of cheating. And I've been in relationships, plenty of them where... I don't think any cheating has gone on. So I thought, what are the odds that every single person ended up cheating on him? Right. And even though women do cheat, they cheat far less than men do. It would be different if it was as sexist as it sounds. It's true. It'd be different to say a woman chose several men that cheated. Right. It's different. It really is because women just don't do that as often. No, he seemed to be okay with bringing up Kara. This was the ex right before me. And she would sometimes stop by the house. It was always conveniently when I was gone, even though I parked in his garage. Remember I told you about moving a little too fast? Mm -hmm. Well, with my divorce and with the economy being the way that it was, I got stuck with a house that I just couldn't afford anymore. So it ended up, unfortunately, having to go to a short sale. And I was okay with staying there as long as I could, you know, before I would get kicked out of there. But he offered to move me into his house and stupidly I agreed. So within a few months, I moved in with him. You know, he was not too happy about talking about my ex, but he was more than okay talking about his ex. And if I would get upset about it, he would get mad at me for getting upset. Right. Because the rules are different for him. Yeah. And I thought, is he triangulating with me and her? Right. Is that what 
happening. I, I couldn't figure it out, but she would apparently stop by. She didn't have his phone number anymore, so she would write him letters. She would show up at the house, and he actually told me that in the very, very end of the relationship, he made her take a polygraph test. Well, that's a bit extreme. Well, he was convinced that she was cheating on him, so he made her take the test. And I asked him, well, what? Wow. Yeah. A note for anyone at home. If you ever get in a spot where you feel like... A polygraph test is an appropriate next step in a relationship. I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's over. Yeah. Give the money. <laughs> because it is not. <laughs> I thought he was joking. He was not. Mm. And I asked if she passed it or failed it. And he said, well, she passed it, but he gave me some lame excuse as to why he didn't agree with it. I said, so you put her through this, paid all this money, and still kicked her out. Yeah, that's. I don't and it even probably know what that was because he was cheating on her. Right. Oh, yeah. The yeah. whole time. The guilty conscience. Yes. Yeah. That discarding process, I guess. Right. Right. And also, these types of people, when they talk about their exes, their ex is always like crazy, abusive. And if every single one of those exes, you got to think, okay, this guy must be the common denominator. But unfortunately, when you are in it and in that moment, it's really hard to detect that. Right. For sure. You don't see it. And I asked him, I said, well, if she cheated on you, why in the world does she want to come back at you so hard? And he said, well, I think the guy that she's with now is just kind of boring. And you know me, I'm Mr. Sexual. <laughs> Wait, what again? I looked at him with just, I think my jaw hit the floor because I thought, what? <laughs> did you really just say? Where in the hell did that come from? Yeah, I just. Uh-uh. He was full of himself. It was so, so strange and so out there. And he said this and yeah, I didn't know whether to laugh or say, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think it's perfectly okay for a person to be whoever they want to be sexually, as long as their partner is okay with it. 100%. As long as that conversation, you know, you have to know what your partner's boundaries, though, are, correct? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. He didn't have any boundaries Mm -hmm. with me. He felt as though he could test the limits constantly. A couple of things that he was really into, unfortunately, for me, because like I said, whatever anybody wants to do, that's up to them. No judgment. But if it's not for someone else, then you can't get mad at them for not liking or being a part of that particular thing. He had a lot of kinks. Yeah. And it's all about consent. Yes. Correct. Well, absolutely. He did like to cross dress. Okay. Which was interesting to me because I thought I never heard about this until, you know, we were well into the relationship and he liked to wear women's underwear and he would order from Victoria's Secret all the time. And I mean, more so for him than for me, which was kind of different. Yeah. But I thought as long as it's kept between the two of us, I don't like to talk about, you know, my sexual life outside of the relationship. But it turns out everybody at his work knew he wore women's underwear. Oh, so he was open about it. 
He was very open about it. He didn't care who knew. I found this out way later from somebody that knew him mutually, but we weren't, we weren't friends. We just ran into each other, you know, like Facebook marketplace or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just me and call me old fashioned, but I don't want my coworkers to know what kind of underwear I wear regardless. No. <laughs> I just feel like that there's a professional boundary there. Like you don't he need to know. He definitely crossed that professional boundary. <laughs> right. He he definitely has no boundaries and uh it, it that's not really an appropriate thing to discuss at your your job. Not at all. No. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what he's into, but discussing it at your workplace is definitely crossing right. a boundary. <laughs> I think HR would agree. You <laughs> <laughs> would think. Yes, that, was, that was very embarrassing to find that out because, yes, it, it's just not. You were uncomfortable with it. Right. And sex to me is yeah. a very sacred thing. And it's not for everybody to know about your preferences unless you're in that relationship with somebody. Right. Well, absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a bit of privacy there that you want to keep. Correct. He was also into a few other things that I wasn't into and one of them being pegging and okay. Being the age that I was at the time that I met him, that wasn't something that ever crossed my, you know, my path. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I had never done anything like that before his judgment on me was very heavy. Yeah. Which is not fair. It's not fair at all. Like if he's in into it, fine, you know, no judgment, like you said, but if you are uncomfortable with it and you express that to him and you're open about it, he shouldn't, he shouldn't judge you. That's you're not consenting because you're not judging him. Therefore, you know, right. And I also think too, that if say you want some affection in that moment and your partner isn't up to it, you shouldn't push the subject if it's just not what they want to do at the, at the time. Absolutely. Well, the first time he gave me the silent treatment was over that. Mm. And so... Because you didn't want to do it and it wasn't for you. He gave you the silent treatment. Yes. And it lasted about three or four days. Wow. Yeah, that is not... That's not okay. No, it was very extreme. And mm -hmm. then he started this thing where he would come up to me and say, you know, you really should do something different with your hair. And I said, well, I was wanting to get it cut, but what do you propose? And he had this elaborate idea about layers and this and that. And I thought... Okay. So I went ahead and I kind of thought of it in my mind, like, well, it was me that wanted to get a haircut. I'm just kind of doing what he suggested. Right. And you would think that he was the one that actually got the cut because he was more excited about it than I was. And he had this thing where he had to tuck it behind my ears. And I said, what is the point of me having this haircut if you can't even see the style because you're changing it? And I couldn't understand what his reasoning was for that. But I said, no, I don't want to wear it like that. He whips his remote across the room and says, this really pisses me off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said... Because of my hair? It's just a controlling thing is what it sounds like. It's just one more thing that he's doing to control you. And to make you feel bad about yourself. Yes. Like if he that. cuts you down and makes you spend a bunch of time worrying about not being pleasing to him, maybe you'll be more willing to do things that you're not comfortable with because you're trying to please. Like, it's really a sick head game. Your hair is beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he he didn't seem to like it. And I find out later that the reason he didn't like it was because he felt I had really sharp features. And somehow doing that took the sharpness away from my looks. Again, just planting those little insecurities. Yep. Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had a confidence about myself. I was independent. I have a great career. And I could not figure out why he was trying to take me down so many notches. Right. Because it wasn't just about my hair. It was also about my weight. Mm-hmm. And he was into fitness and um, he had a home gym in his basement. And my preferred method of exercising was workout DVDs. I felt like I did the best at home by myself without anybody distracting me or you know, me feeling self-conscious. And he never let me have that moment to myself. Mm-hmm. So he had plenty to say about it, but he would never let me actually take the time for myself to do it. He would be downstairs starting his workout. I would be upstairs doing mine. 10 minutes in, he would come and sit on the couch and critique everything I was doing. Oh my God. No, I'm so sorry. So I quit doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just took all of that away from me. Just the desire to, to do any of that because it just, I wasn't allowed. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's unmotivating too. I mean, you need a level of motivation to do workouts, to get into it. Yeah. He completely took that away from you. Yes. And he would work out really hard. And then way later on, I would find out that he was into steroids mm. and the steroids would change his mood from nice and calm to He's about ready to pop a blood vessel in his forehead. Yep. Because he's angry about something. And a couple of times arguing over something really stupid, he would back me up against the counter and yell in my face that I'm a bitch. And do I want to come at him because he's ready? And I have never, if you could imagine being in a standing position, wanting to curl up into a fetal position, that was me. Right. Funny, you're a bitch, but he's the one wearing women's underwear. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Exactly. He might have even been wearing his underwear when he was yelling at me, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, and it wasn't just that. It was, you know, he would make little digs at me about, oh, maybe you should go try your jeans on, you know, and he had that smirk on his face because he knew that... I was probably gaining a little bit of weight and I wasn't going to fit like I used to. That's terrible. That is so terrible. And he just thought it was absolutely hilarious. And he says, well, I don't know if you can't wear this and if you can't wear sundresses and all of those things. And uh, that's not the kind of summer I want. Gross. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. It sounds like he was way more interested on what you looked like on his arm than actually having a partner. Correct. Yeah. And he had now normally, I mean, at least what I've read is that narcissists like to have that big support system around them. Mm -hmm. A lot of friends, maybe not close friends, but a lot of friends that they could tell every detail to, to have them on their side. Echo chamber. Yeah. He really didn't have that many friends. Had two friends. One was a guy 
And one was a, a female friend and I did get to meet her like one time and I did meet his male friend, but he, he wasn't that close. He was kind of a loner. As it turned out though, all of his coworkers, you know, that knew about his personal business, in the end, they started to hear all of the things that was going on in our relationship. So he did have that rally around him. It just wasn't close friends. Right. Because if you keep people at arm's length, they may never learn that you're a complete fuckwad. <laughs> And for sure, he made your fuckwad. That's a technical term, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like that term. <laughs> so there was an incident where we went out to lunch with his family. And, you know, he was crazy cooking my hair behind my ears because, you know, it didn't look good for him. That is so weird. Freaking weirdo. He was bald, by the way. Of course he was. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He could grow a unibrow like no one's business, but, (laughs) and I really, you know, I'm not one of those people. I don't cut people down with anything, their weight, their hair, their looks, nothing. And I actually, uh, to get revenge, I said something like, you can't grow any hair on your head, but you sure as fuck can grow a unibrow. (laughs) He was like. What the hell? When I started getting a mouth on me is kind of when he was, you know, to the point where he was a little more aggressive and more physical. Most of his abuse toward me was emotional or mental. Right. Yeah. But when we were at lunch with his family, there was a mention of me having had a fever blister and we leave there and he's throws an absolute fit in the car on the way home. He says, I cannot believe that you said that to my family because now they know you have an STD. What an idiot. What? Who cares? One, who cares if you do, but two, a fever blister is not an STI. No, it isn't. So yeah, he was really... Okay, that was another silent treatment where I don't think he spoke to me for about five days. So he made me feel real dirty. Right. Yeah. Just tearing you down again. Tearing me down over and over and over again about my clothing, about my hair. Oh, he also came to me because apparently he's a fashion consultant because he came (laughs) (laughs) and he said, you know, you should do your eyes like this. I'm like, what the fuck? And he tried to tell me that I did something a week or so prior, tried to explain it to me, and I did not know what the hell he was talking about and got pissed at me for not knowing. Mm-hmm. He got mad at me about more things than I could even tell you. And some of it I've probably blocked out by now. I feel like while I normally don't think it's cool to speculate on someone's sexuality or gender identity or anything like that, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some underlying stuff there that it is a jealousy of women and jealous that he is not maybe in the body that he wants to be in. And instead of Addressing that and living your life out loud and doing you, you have to go through and try to destroy other people. Yeah, and I don't think you're far off on that at all, honestly. Um, He had, in fact, a very, very interesting take on people in general, where he said that he felt that at least 15% of 
every single person was bisexual in nature. 15% is very specific. It's very specific. <laughs> Where do you get those figures from? Like he felt like in the, in the end, you know, he ended up feeling like I wasn't being honest with him because he felt like everybody had that bisexuality to them, which again, if that's what you're into, more power to you. I have no problem with anybody's lifestyle, but when you're trying to tell me that that's what I am. Right. Not okay. I said, why would I lie to you about that? But he was- And I feel like we can't choose those things, of course, because I feel like if for any of us women that are attracted to men at this point in history, the fact that we're attracted to them at all <laughs> is proof to me that it's not a choice. Right. Like, really. Like these are not the men that Dolly was begging. What's her name? Jolene. Jolene, not to take. These are not the same men. It's not. No. And oh gosh, I mean, back on that whole sexual thing between him and I as well, he knew from the very, very start that there are certain things that I will not be able to do. Because when I was about four years old, I was actually abused by a doctor. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of, or if you have daughters. Um, I did some reading on this because, like I said, I was very young when it happened. But I'll tell you what, I'm 51 now. And you remember that shit when you're four years old. It's that traumatizing I mean, obviously there's times when you block things out, but Mm -hmm. if something like that happens to you, you will remember it. What I had was vaginal adhesions. Up until you're about age six, you don't have the estrogen in your body that will prevent this from happening. And what it is, is it's a um, tissue overgrowth that causes like a real, like a pinching sensation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it covers your vaginal area. Well, you're supposed to prescribe an estrogen cream that takes care of the problem. But the doctor decided that he would just take his fingers and rip me open. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he didn't do it just once. He did it twice. Oh, my God. So all I remember is sitting in the bathtub when I was four years old at my grandparents' house because we were living with them at the time and trying to urinate because it burned so bad that they said, sit her in a bathtub. Oh, my God. And so I remember that. And I told Jason that I don't like anything inserted unless it's the obvious thing. Right, right. He tried to shove a huge dildo in there one night and I told him no and he kept trying and he saw the look on my face and said you're a fucking bitch and got off the bed that's horrific Lauren Mm. leaving me falling apart just crying remembering my trauma and then being traumatized again by him right terrible I'm so sorry yeah it was uh it was not the best moment for sure. And I don't understand what anyone would gain from doing something with someone that you know, not only are they not enjoying it, they don't want to. Like, how is that even a turn on, you know, and with coercion too, like he's trying to talk you into all these things that he knows you don't want to do. So then he's going to know if you give in that you really don't want to be doing it. What kind of asshole wants to be doing something sexual with someone who doesn't want to do it? You know, 
Well, something that came up way later that kind of explained all of this for me, I guess. This was pretty much toward the end. He actually said that he wanted to watch this movie called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Have you seen it? I've read the book. I've not seen the movie. Okay. Well, he apparently was extremely taken with the forcible anal rape scene. Gotcha. Which terrified me. Yeah. Yeah. Understandably. Yes. So that whole consent thing too, when I wasn't in the mood for anything, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. So I was facing away from him and he was trying to, he was trying to get in, couldn't, but kept trying anyway. As a result of that, I have permanent damage now from him. Fuck him. Yes. When it was actually like a, like a inflamed fissure or like a hemorrhoid type thing that happened mm-hmm. because of how he was forcing trying to enter. Yeah. That's where it came from. And my doctor's already looked at it. He already knows. I think I spent more time crying to my doctor, who was awesome, than my own dad <laughs> about anything in my life. There was just so much, so much trauma there. <sighs> you know, and, and those things with him aren't even kinks. Because if you know anybody who is into the kink community, I have several friends who are very into the kink community. And kink is all about consent. Truly people who want to explore for those things with other consenting people. It's a huge part of it from my understanding. And so when people are just deviant in that evil way, that's not kink. That's, that's something kink. totally different. Yeah. That's abusive. Right. That is very, that's abusive. a crime. Mm-hmm. That's the word for it. Yes. Oh yeah. 100%. Absolutely. And he never really relented with the whole my appearance type thing. So after the incident with his family and he's, you know, yelling at me for embarrassing him, he just comes out with, you need a nose job. This motherfucker. And I'll tell you what, from the time I was a child to the time that I actually did get the nose job, I did. And it was because I had felt that way all my life. And he picked apart that one thing that I was self-conscious about that he knew about. Right. And I but you know what? Enough's enough. I'm just going to fucking do it. So I did it. Not that he helped pay for it or anything, but of course not. he felt like I should get it and said, you know, I'm just not even going to be nice to you at this point. I'm just going to let you know this is what you need. Oh, my God. And he said, I don't know. Maybe I just maybe I just need to be with somebody who's, you know, all plastic. And I was just like, are you kidding me right now? Then go buy a doll, dude. That's what I was thinking. He needs one of those real life sex dolls. Yeah. That's what he needs. That are like eight grand. That won't talk back. He can abuse her all he wants. He's too fucking cheap for that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what he needs, though. He doesn't need another person. Yeah. He needs therapy and a sex doll. Yes. And after I had the uh, nose job, I don't know. If you've heard of anybody who has had this surgery before, but they put those splints in your nose. They don't pack it anymore. They put splints in there and you just feel like complete shit for like Mm -hmm. three days. You're in pain. You feel like you can't breathe. I actually felt like 
a tremendous amount of empathy for my patients who have COPD and, you know, things like that, because with their inability to take in the oxygen, they're just completely zapped of any energy. I mean, it's just a horrible feeling. And I went through this for at least a week. You know, he's there trying to take care of me, forces a, a pain pill on me. And I think what he was trying to do because he was also trying to get physical with me while I'm recovering from this shit. Mm. I think he wanted me like completely fucked out of my mind. Like subdued. Yeah. And incoherent. Yeah. Yes. And of course I told him, I said, I don't think I can take these. I have a hard time with pain medication and you know how somebody forces something on you and you're just in that you're vulnerable and you just want them to shut the fuck up. That's like yes. your most vulnerable when you're recovering from something like that. Mm-hmm. I took it and I threw up. So maybe that turned him off and then he didn't try anymore. But I really got the feeling that he was trying to get me completely obliterated so he could just do whatever he wanted. And how scary to have that thought about your partner who is supposed to be the one that you trust and would take care of you and would protect you from people like that. Yeah. Yes. It was, it, it was awful. He, I mean, I finally got out of that and, you know, I thought, okay, everything's good. I've got, you know, this going, that going, did what he wanted. Maybe he'll just leave me alone. No, that wasn't what happened. He was still talking about his ex and how she was wanting to get him back. I think he made mention of the fact that he felt like I wasn't being completely honest with him. And we would always go through this phase where we were busy and things were just kind of even keel. And then all of a sudden he would have to shake it up a little bit. Right. They feed on the drama. And he, he comes back at me with, you're not being honest with me. And I said, well, what am I not being honest about? And I believe that was when he put out the, you're at least 15% bisexual. (laughs) Wow. No, because there's a thing called the Kenzie scale. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, there is a spectrum. So they're straight to gay. And then you can lie anywhere on that spectrum. So the 50% thing is uh, dead wrong. Uh And you can land at... 1% 1% gay. Mm-hmm. And, and which is okay. you would know that better and, than yes. anyone. Yeah. And you would be the one to say, this is where I land on this Kenzie scale. Right. And he needs to shut the fuck up. Yes. Like, quit trying to push that on me because I wouldn't do that to anybody else. That's not me. I let people be who they want, you know, great. But don't tell me that this is what I am. I think I know at this age what the hell I am. Right. Exactly. Only you can determine that. He seemed to be, um, cause did you mention that he was bisexual? No, he, he said that he had never done anything like that with anybody before, but he did tell me later that he just hadn't found anybody any male that he felt like he would want to be intimate with. Okay. And I honestly don't know if he was looking for, because I think sometimes he would say things for the shock value. Right. Yeah. But it was hard to tell if he was being honest with me. Yeah. If, if he is a narcissist and I can't make that call, but often the things that narcissists say are confessions, you know? So by saying you're bisexual, 
you aren't accepting this thing about yourself. It's projecting. It's his confessional yeah. of his own issue. Your nose is bad. He doesn't like his own nose. You know, like he's he's tearing you down because he doesn't feel good about himself ultimately. Because that's what most of narcissism is, right? It's super low self-esteem magnified by this overcompensation of fake self-confidence. Right. And he had told me about, you know, Kara talking to him again, because apparently she ended up finding out his phone number and messaging him. Did she? She was with him. She probably knows he's an asshole. Did she track him down or did he track her down? (laughs) You know, like you wonder in retrospect. Right. Yeah. I have no idea who was saying what to whom and I think maybe he was leading her on. I don't think he really said much about me, but he said that she had found out his number. And as he's trying to message her, I'm getting mad because I'm thinking, what now? She knows, doesn't she? And as I'm looking at him and looking at what he's texting, he got pissed at me. Of course. Yeah. Because he felt like it was none of my damn business, but okay. (laughs) And then if you would have been texting with an ex Mm -hmm. and not wanted him to see it, that would have gone over like a turd in the punch bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> well, like he would not have allowed that, you know, but it's okay for him. Correct. And I made sure that when Eric had messaged me that, and the guy owed me a little bit of money too. So I wanted to see if I was going to get any of it. Of course I didn't, but I told him right away. I said, Eric did message me and say, Hey, what's up? I just kind of fate's like, Oh, everything's fine. And I asked him about the money and I said, I don't know how much more I'm supposed to say to him at this point, but we never really talked much. He just kind of said, Hey, what's up? And when I asked him about the money, it was like, he stopped talking. So there was nothing else between him and I, but after Kara had messaged Jason, I got a text message that said, Hey, what's up? And I said, who is this? Cause it was a number I didn't recognize. And it said, it's Eric, but they spelled it E R I C. And I thought, well, this is weird because I think Eric knows how to spell his name. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Who the hell is this really? So all I said was, um, hi. And then I tried saying something cause he, Because I think the next message was, so when can we meet? And I said, meet? What are you talking about? And that was it. There was no more text after that. I forget about it because I thought it was just a wrong number or somebody messing with me. My friends have done that to me before where they've done that prank call thing where somebody starts yelling at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I was kind of like shook by it because I'm not used to people playing practical jokes on me. But that's kind of what I thought it was and forgot about it. And Jason turns to me and he says, where's your phone? And I said, well, I don't know right now. And I had actually left it in the bathroom or something. So he goes, let me see it. I'm like, okay. And he says, cause I'm Eric. <laughs> what? Dum, dum, dum. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, you're the one that text messaged me that you're Eric. Were you trying to be the Eric? Cause you spelled his name wrong. Dumbass. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You messaged him and you didn't tell me about it. Oh, wow. It was just a trap. Yeah. So I said, well, that's interesting. I said, why are you texting me from a different number? He goes, well, I changed it since Kara found it. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell me. He just decided this is what he was going to pull on me. 
So, and this was in December. So Christmas was going to be a little bit strange that year. He told me, cause he's like, I don't think we'll be buying each other any presents. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to have you do a polygraph. <laughs> I thought to myself, Oh, hell no. Right. But I didn't say that to him. I just acted like, yeah, right. And went on with my day. I kind of ignored him about it, but he was serious. He didn't actually make a move to try to call anybody to schedule anything. He kind of made it like it was up to me to do, but I wasn't going to do it. No way. Supposed to schedule your own polygraph? Yeah. No way am I going to speak to that. Oh my God. Yeah. So I could not believe this for one thing. And then for another, I was like, well, my house had sold. So I thought I just need to figure out where I'm going to move to. Cause like I said, financially I was getting on the right track. The house had sold so I could do whatever I wanted to do after that. And I actually went apartment hunting. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. So I started doing that, trying to get all of my ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. And it was about this time that my cat started shitting on his clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, cat. Nice. She always had my back. (laughs) Kitty knows what's up. How long into the relationship were you at this point? Oh, goodness. I was about a year and a half in. Okay. And, you know, most of it had been, you know, just kind of weeks where there would be nothing. And then all of a sudden there was this major event that came up out of nowhere. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I thought, yeah, I don't think I can deal with this anymore. I started to actually have anxiety attacks. I had never had one in my life And I had to figure out what it was, just like I had to figure out what I was dealing with when it came to him, because I had not heard of NPD. Right. Um, I didn't know that narcissistic personality disorder was a whole big thing. Yeah. So I did a lot of reading. I figured some things out and I thought, well, what's going on? And after the whole situation with him, telling me to take a polygraph, I started looking at places and decided I was probably going to have to do this soon. But how long could I bide my time for? Did you ever mention giving him a polygraph? No. You go first. <laughs> and I'll, I'll jump right in there. <laughs> After all of this had happened, too, I did a little detective work while he was gone. I actually found the transcript for Kara's polygraph. Oh my God. And let me just tell you the level of PTSD that I would have had from the questions that she got is off the charts. I could not believe that he put this girl through that. And then he didn't even give her the fucking respect of accepting the results of the polygraph. (laughs) You're going to put her through all of that. And then it doesn't say what you want it to say. It doesn't say what fits into your narrative. Mm -hmm. So you're going to find a reason to like say she faked that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. He found a reason to still let her go. So I thought... I don't think it would matter if I consented or not. Right. It wouldn't. I was doomed from the start, obviously, but it just kept getting worse and worse. My self-confidence went way down. Didn't matter what I did. He was, he was getting more and more emotionally traumatizing. He was even starting with the whole physical thing, you know, backing me up against the counter and yelling in my face. Not okay. Mm -mm, Not at all. No. Horrible. 
I've never felt like that with anybody in my life. And my, as bad as I think my marriage was when it ended, it was nothing compared to this. This was absolutely the worst relationship I've ever had. So how did you get out? So what ended up happening was I had to take a course to learn how to do a certain type of injection. And afterward, I used to like to take my iPad with me to work to watch videos on it. Because mm-hmm. they only give you a weekend course. So I wanted to learn different techniques. I wanted to do a little bit more research. So I took my iPad with me. He lost his shit on that because he had actually been looking at my search history and he found that I was reading Craigslist ads. Mm. And I said, well, did you want to check my email? Because I have not responded to anybody or asked anybody anything, but I looked at all of them because they're in a training. Yeah, they were. (laughs) They they are indeed. So that wasn't okay with him. Plus, you know how iPhone and iPad talk to each other? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see all of your texts. Well, I had some friends and because I didn't trust him anyway, I had some friends that were going through some really rough things in their lives and he didn't need to know it. So I didn't need to put their trust with me in jeopardy because if they thought that I told him something and he came out with it or, you know, whatever the case may be. He'd blackmail you with it. Exactly. So I um, would take it with me. And one day after work, I actually ended up getting off early. This was kind of a, you know, one of those karma moments for me. But I got off of work a little bit early and I got a text message. And after the whole thing where he said, you're going to take a polygraph, he started to take away his text messaging. You know, anything that I liked from him went away. So he text messages me and says, you've done this for the last time. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you took your iPad to work with you. Oh, I didn't even answer his text message because he said, you've done this for the last time. He said, I need you to move out. So I called the apartment complex that I had been looking at and I asked them how soon I could get in. They said, how about one week? I said, definitely. Yeah. So I did. I did that and I knew I wanted to get some things set up before I actually moved. And I actually scheduled movers to come and get my stuff moved for me two weeks from that date. So I had it all worked out before I got home. And as I walked in the door, he was sitting in the chair at the dining table, just staring at the wall, ignoring the fact that I even walked into the room. So I went right up to him and I said, I move out in two weeks. And that was all I said to him. Good for you. Nice. So started getting all of my stuff ready and I left. And I think I slept the most peaceful sleep the first night I was away from him. I bet. I know that feeling. I just felt beaten down, but I did not feel sad that we had parted ways. And fortunately for me, he didn't try to love bomb me and get me back. I think he was already working on his next target. Oh, and he thought it was perfectly okay for me too to still sleep in the bed with him in those two weeks when I was, you know, getting ready to leave. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, because not only for obvious reasons, but there was something else that I saw right around this time that freaked me out. 
And it had to do with restraints that were actually put on the posts on the bottom of the bed, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I looked at those and I saw that and I was like, no. And I think I faked a period for like two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And just stayed away from him. I didn't come home for... I mean, I wanted to be there to make sure my cats were okay. Right. I wanted to make sure that my stuff was okay. And he luckily didn't try to do anything. And I moved out the morning that I was off and he was at work. So I got all of my stuff, my animals, everything out of the house. And that that was that for the most part. But a couple of things that I had left behind, I did end up going to get And after I got that and that was done, done, he sent me a message saying, you know, maybe the way that things could have been mended was for you to just watch me with someone else. I'm failing to make the connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Since he thought I cheated on him. Oh, because he thought you cheated on him. Since he thought I cheated on him with Eric that... Right. Mm. He could, I could watch him with someone else as like a punishment. Yeah. That sounds real healthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The last text message I ever sent him was, holy fuck, you're evil. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Like I was done. There's plenty of people that would love to do the things with him that he wants to do. Like there are other, go find people where you can just be honest about what you really want to do. The fact is you want to, you want your partner to watch you fuck someone else (laughs) and that's fine. But like find someone that wants to do those things. Find someone that gets off on you wearing their underwear. Like Mm -hmm. there is somebody out there who is sexually compatible with your, all your kinks. And that is a conversation conversation you have in the beginning not right thank you yes yes what are your kinks here are mine let's see if they align right right yeah yeah he didn't indulge me in some of mine well I wouldn't even call them kinks though but I mean I think it was because it was just you know not his style not his thing right he couldn't respect he couldn't respect my limitations or my boundaries but you had to respect his yeah Exactly. It was all about him all the time. And yeah, that was that whole thing lasted about about two years. And the weekend that I moved out, I met a guy. We just had fun. He became actually a really good friend of mine. Awesome. Two years after that, I moved 1100 miles away from that asshole. Good for you. Nice. Fuck yeah. And now almost three years now, I've been married to the absolute love of my life. That makes me so happy. Oh, that's so awesome. So good good to hear that. And he's younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) High five, sister. (laughs) (laughs) We must have kids. We're just in our later years now. Well, not way later years, but we're in our later years just enjoying each other, just enjoying life, our pre-retirement phase. Mm-hmm. Enjoying all that money you get to have since you didn't have children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and just having fun. He takes me to different different cities to do like, you know, day trips and we love being here. We're we're in Texas. Oh, it's it's just amazing being with a partner that's absolutely nothing like you're used to. Yeah. And it took me a long time, but there's life at the end of all of the madness and all of the 
you know, awful things that you go through. Yeah. I'm glad that you got to find your like Prince Charming instead of your Mr. Sexual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you want to know the truth, he wasn't even that good. So I would have bet uh, my house on that yep. fact. <laughs> <laughs> Goes without even saying. Because that was self-diagnosed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yes, I'm in a much better place in life. And just, I know what it's like, though, to not feel like you can leave and get out of a situation. Right. You know, being that my house was where it was, and I really did have nowhere to go at that point. It was like, I kind of told myself, just, you know, play the game. Do what you got to do. I never, ever saw myself marrying this guy. Never. And I just did what I had to do to survive, I guess you could say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Had a plan B and a plan C. Right. But I just didn't have anywhere to go at the time. But when somebody knocks your self-esteem way down or your confidence way down, you know, you don't want to be with somebody like that. Absolutely. You have to tell yourself that, that you're better than that, that you know yourself better than that, and that nobody's got the power to tell you that this is who you are. That's right. That is going to help somebody listening for sure. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I just hope that some people can, you know, see those signs early. The fun fact about a year after I moved down here, I met a guy that was starting to remind me a little bit of him. And uh, we lived in different states. After, you know, I moved here, he was living in Nevada. And he came to visit me. And it was just a nightmare trip, a nightmare weekend. And he went home and I changed my number. <laughs> Good. Good. I never spoke to him again. I thought, yes, no way I'm home. Perfect. That's what we call a lesson learned. And that's another good point. Like you don't owe anyone an explanation. Like absolutely not. No. Change your number, block mm-hmm. them, whatever. They can be pissed off that you ghosted. You don't owe anybody anything. Nope. And you avoided a whole lot of shit by just doing that thing. Right. So Good job. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story. My big takeaway was fuck Jason. Oh, definitely. Not literally, but yes. Yeah. Um, big fuck you to him. Big thank you to you. <laughs> yes. Big thank you to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at NGCOMPod, or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening. 